This surprise episode of Haunted AF is brought to you by None of This is Real, a comedy podcast about all things mysterious and weird. It's hosted by two friends, one who's a believer and the other who's a skeptic. And they, like someone else we know, like to tell spooky stories, but with a little bit of humor, because yeah, the world is scary enough. Mm. It's for those of us who enjoy topics like cryptids, conspiracies, hauntings, cults, and urban legends. I mean, who doesn't? None of This Is Real also digs into stories like the first person to survive rabies, weeping statues, astral projection, ghost animals, and the Michigan Triangle. Oh, I didn't even know Michigan had one. Me either. And each episode asks the ultimate question, is any of this real? That's a good question. So if you're curious, open-minded, and most importantly, just a little bit absurd, find None of This Is Real. It's like hanging out with your weirdest friends. None of This Is Real is available wherever you listen to podcasts or find it at noneofthisisrealpodcast.com. I have got some ghost stories for you. I feel something crawl into the bed with me and it starts to spoon me. There was a time where I would be in bed falling asleep and I would hear my name being called. Different voices call my name. Poof, the person disappeared right in front of our eyes. And we were both like, did you see that? There was this figure of a woman. Her skin was bluish and her hands were clawed and her mouth was wide open. So that is my ghost story. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF, the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. We are your hosts. I'm Julie Fisk. And I'm Rebecca Black. And welcome to another surprise episode. Woo! Surprise! Woo-woo. Yeah, we were really excited because we got to talk to Stephen Blue from the Night Owl podcast out of Austin. And we thought about waiting until October to share it, but we couldn't. So here you go. Yep. So we have Stephen Ballou from the Night Owl podcast with us. And I don't even totally know how I found the Night Owl podcast, but I started listening and then I was like, holy crap, these guys are down in Austin. They're so close. And what you do is so incredible. So Stephen Ballou, welcome to the Haunted AF podcast. Thank you so much for responding to us and for joining us today. First of all, we've got a whole list of questions before I goon out. (laughs) She had to write them down because she's such a fangirl right now. I am. I am. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you just give everybody a little overview of what your podcast is all about. Yeah. So the, the night out is something that I sort of spawned uh, because I was, I've always been fascinated with ghost stories. My background is in storytelling and filmmaking, screenwriting, but I really like more believable and very like approachable stories that are less fabricated or less uh, enhanced with music or trying to, to scare people. And every time I tuned into a ghost story podcast back when I started this show, which was 2017, they were all a little hokey, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. And like, I wanted something I could appreciate that this person was like really trying to capture the ghost stories from people that had them themselves. And at that time, the only podcasts available were people reading ghost stories from emails. So it was like a host narrating these stories. So I had kind of just started to begin the process of saying, no, I want to capture voices and I don't ever want to share a story myself. I want these to be from the mouths of those who experienced them. So the show is basically a more journalistic approach to gathering and retelling ghost stories, but it's also unique in the sense that it's investigative. So it's not just we're retelling the ghost stories. We tell the ghost stories that have happened at a location, but then we take steps to research it and then bring in investigators, psychics, mediums, and kind of go the whole nine yards with it to just kind of cover all the bases and see what we finally think about this location. Like, do these ghost stories actually hold any truth or what do you all take away from this episode, you know, or this series? So you're kind of like a modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren, or would you be really offended if I said that? (laughs) 
I would be honored in a way, although some of the stuff has been sort of questionable of whether it's been truthful or not, but I grew up inspired by them. So I'm honored in that reference for sure. Cause I wouldn't have done what I've done had I not kind of like seen what they were trying to do. I don't know if it was all truth or accurate. That's something I'm going to probably investigate when I become a little bit more veteran at this position, but um, they were a huge inspiration to me. So I take that as a compliment for right now. Cause didn't you start a paranormal group like way back when did they inspire you to do that? Yeah, it was a lot of people that inspired it. My team member, Alexis, he was the person who introduced me to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, we watched shows religiously. We read their stuff. And um, there were some other shows that really inspired us to kind of put our skills together because we felt we both had that same approach. We we wanted to believe, but we weren't going to take it. I guess we we're all just on the same page. We weren't trying to catch anything. And I think that's something that we like to point out in the show. We're not trying to capture ghosts with equipment or gear or try to find the evidence. It's more like we're gathering the stories, we're gathering the history, we're gathering the the unique corroborations between stories, and we're just presenting it. But we're not like waiting in a dark room at night with gear or cameras rolling to catch a ghost. That's not what we're trying to do. So we kind of like the fact that we were going to document that process with our team mentality. Have you ever had a situation where someone contacts you when you go to their place and you find a reason for the activity that's not paranormal? With our particular style of approach is we really don't take a case unless we we vet them before we go because we want to make sure that we're going to a place that has significant amount of reports and the reports have like layers like we have like categories for the the activity. Myself, I'm like, is there multiple eyewitnesses? If they're not, I'm not going to go. If there's been uh, physical sightings, that's a huge plus for us. And if it's multiple physical sightings on different occasions, it's all those kind of tiers that we go down. And once it's hit sort of enough marks, we're like, this warrants enough time for us to go do this because we do get a lot of requests and the show is really difficult to produce. I talk about it a lot and I feel bad that I'm saying it all the time, but no one has an idea of how much it takes to just do one series. And I have to release them once a month, which upsets listeners because they like to binge like you talked about. If I didn't have a full-time job and this was it, I could definitely see trying to get out maybe two a month. It could never be like a weekly thing. It's just so much research time. We're very organic because we just went to the House of Torment this week again. We were there a year ago, but we are getting calls saying something's stirring up. We've seen something Mm -hmm. here. So it's like, it's an ongoing process of documenting these cases And we don't ever want to just cut it short and be like, oh, we're just going to like go there once and then we're going to wrap it up. We're there for a year. And so, yeah, we haven't had that experience where we've gone and there's not been really anything yet. There's been a couple of cases we didn't release because it was just a little bit too little of a story to share. I mean, it's fun and it's interesting. I don't want to downplay someone's haunting, but like. It wouldn't make for a good epic story to put on the on the series. Oh, no, we get those. We do that all the time. I'm sure you've had your fair share of like fakers or whatever. But have you gotten real far in like where you've started investigating and stuff like that and you found them out to be like a phony or anything like that? Nothing, nothing yet, because even when we were early on, we would have like a submission form. So this was even before the show. And we just had our small group called the Occult Sciences Mm -hmm. Societies. We do a lot of vetting like that. And that's why we have the submission form online. And and it's got really good questions and and fill in the blanks. And so that's how people, if someone is having activity and they want to reach out to you, they would do it through the online form. Yeah, it's an online submission form and you can submit whether it's just like I own a location that's haunted. I have my own personal story that might be interesting for what's called our campfire episodes, which we're going to start coming back with those soon. Do you ever have people reach out and, and ask for your help but say, I don't want to be a part of the podcast. I just want help. 
Yeah, and I ch- I typically have to. Sadly, I'd love to, but it's just not feasible with the time that we have. So I have like Alexis and everybody that we have resources. We will work with them, or they will recommend somebody that they reach out to that has a little bit more time. Uh, so we always help in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you talked about earlier how you're never the one to tell a story or a personal story. So this is where that we always ask: Do you actually have your very own personal ghost story? And if so, we would love to hear it. Yeah, I was about nine years old. I'm an only child grew up in a small town called Pawnee, Texas. And when I say small, I mean really small Mm -hmm. populations. It's still 200 to this day. My graduating class was 14 kids. Really small. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Nothing, not even a restaurant, not even a store, not even a gas station. So it was isolated, but I grew up an only child too. No brothers or sisters. My mom and dad had secretly been saving and working hard to build a, a new home because we were living on our grandparents' property, just kind of like in a small trailer house type thing. And my dad built a brand new two-story home. It was on this 12-acre lot. It's the home that they have to this day. I grew up in that home from nine on. And um, my experience happened there. You know, I hadn't had any experiences up until that point, but it was a brand new house on an empty, vacant lot. Not even a tree was on this 12 acres. We had to plant everything there. There was nothing in my head as a nine-year-old kid to be like, oh, I'm terrified of this new place or something like that, you know? And at the time, I hadn't really gotten into ghosts or ghost stories. Dad surprised me. He custom built this upstairs space for me. It was like my bedroom and a spare room. And he built this like nook window that looked out over the open field. And that was my drawing desk. So it was all cool. Should be happy, right? Yeah. Brand new home. I just wasn't like, I wasn't happy. Something was like watching me upstairs and I could, I could feel it as soon as we moved in and it just kind of get war- got worse and worse. There were so many little things that were like part of it. I'll save it so listeners and you can hear the full story on the episode, Origins 1 and Origins Part 2. But long story short, it all culminated to one night where this thing actually physically showed itself to me mm-hmm. when I was sleeping. I realized it had haunted me to this day, even as an adult. So I was around 10 or 11 when the when she physically appeared by my bedside and, and really scared me with the way she looked. Obviously, I'm working with a psychic that y'all might know now by listening to it. Sarah did not share that story with Sarah. And one day on a case, she pulled me aside and she just basically said, there's been something that's since we started working together that I've been seeing. And I thought it was at the first location. So she's like, the only factor that I'm seeing that's connecting is it's got to be connected to you. I know it's you is that now this thing is showing up at my house and it points at my phone when I have a missed call from you. What? I'm telling you, it's exactly to a T. She describes what walked up to my bedside that night. And she goes, it's still with you. It hasn't left you and it wants you to, to see it. And I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, so <laughs> Not happening. We began, we began a journey and I documented that over the course of a long period of time because I was busy on cases. I was like, I didn't want to feature my own story. Sure. So I gathered all that data and we traveled to my hometown, my parents' home, my old bedroom. And we take Sarah and we face what I faced when I was a kid and what terrified me like to this day. It was pretty cool to go after my own haunting after I'd already chased other people's ghosts. I was now chasing my own that haunted me from my childhood. Well, that is something I wanted to ask you. Does any of this scare you anymore after encountering Mm. it and working with it so much? I would lie if I say if it doesn't, but also it's so it's so much better now. You know, in the show, you'll hear me. I'm crawling under crawl spaces under houses because the spirit is there and I go after it. You know what I mean? Because they're asking me to find something. And that's the whole point. I wanted to do the show was to learn about that world. Every time we go on a case, the majority of the time, there's a few exceptions. They're just needing something. They're just lost. They're just angry at the fact that they can't get their message across. They've got something missing or something happened to them that they need to get across. So 
when I'm doing this, I'm actually driven to like keep going and like go into these places that people might not go into because they're uncomfortable. It's just being like, well, somebody's got to get their story out and I'm the one that can fit through this little tiny door. So I'm, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> yeah. This is so it's a random thought, but I wonder if that somehow helps them move on. It's that classic tale of unfinished business with yeah. ghosts. You know, that might be fictional. It might be made up because of literature and movies on ghosts, but I'm finding a very true nature to that because of what happens and unfolds at these cases. And it would be one thing if it was all just a medium spouting out stuff and we're just jumping through the hoops because they say to do it. Mm -hmm. But the stuff they're spouting out is lining up with the records and the sightings and they are blindfolded when they go there. They don't know where they're going. So that is the level of like validation that I'm seeking. And I really don't want to feature stories that don't have that. So I push myself to go really hard with the investigations to say, okay, we're sticking to this. We're not going to tell the psychic. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow this process every single time because every story needs to be that validating. Every story that we hear, we're constantly changing our minds on exactly what we think a ghost is. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. What do you think a ghost is? I most believe in the the lingering presence of someone's soul, you know, of, of something that's been left behind. Mm-hmm. Whether that be by choice of like their energy is tied to a place because of love and joy and memories. But there's a lot of instances where some people seem stuck. Maybe this spirit is trapped here because their death was traumatic or, you know, something like that. However, there's a lot of other types of apparitions and spiritual beings, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We had gnomes in our last, one of our last episodes, which I was like, what are you talking about, Sarah? Like, (laughs) We've had gnomes. (laughs) We've had gnomes, but I I will say, because I was all in about the vision center and I wanted to ask you about that one too. It's like, it's a haunted vision center. Do people drop by there now just to check it out? Because I know Rebecca and I both (laughs) wanted to. They're like, we're heading to Dripping Springs. I want to check this out. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dobson and, and Desiree, they would love it. They love, they really loved us and they were like super supportive. It's really great when you find a location like that. If you go back, like our first seasons were all businesses. I think our later seasons started, people started reaching out because they were having problems because we began the show with featuring mostly businesses, tattoo shops, bars, restaurants. So I like it when we get places like like an optometrist or a vision center. You know what I mean? Like you don't think of a modern day vision center being a haunted building. No. Yeah. We even did like a, a cupcake bakery here in Austin that never made it as a series, but it was really fun. But Dr. Dobson and them would welcome y'all to walk in and just look at them. Yeah. Have you had an experience when you're doing an investigation? Have you had something happen to you? Yeah. A lot of it is like way smaller than what you would imagine or hope for, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think the movies really... They've ruined (laughs) us. That is so true. My moments have been, you know, there's that photograph from the tavern that really, that really shook me it's a shadow figure of a male and he was standing where I was just standing moments before I did everything to debunk that thing. And I even brought in my team member, Franklin, who's really good at that. He analyzes photos. He was dumbfounded by that photo. That shadowy figure there is just, it's real. It's crazy. The other thing that happened to me was at the clay pit, a door swung open and it's like a swinging kitchen door, but no one was in the building and there was no air conditioning or heaters on. So there was no airflow. Mm. And we went and opened all the doors and shut them real hard, like just to see if there would be suction from anywhere in the building and nothing. And then it did it again as soon as we stopped messing with things. And I was like, okay. And it was right when we were having conversations with the spirit that didn't like me, mean dowdy. Basically trying to window. tell you to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. the door. Yeah. yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the tavern is really uh, a hard one for me because that was like a case that didn't have a lot of answers. 
But Sarah got a lot of really cool information that made us believe we might have found who actually committed this supposed murder of the child there, which Mm. was really traumatizing to hear that story for the first time. I didn't know that that was what happened there. When I was doing that case, there was a man whispering in my ear at night here at this house. And y'all okay saying anything on the show or do I need to be? No, 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 go go for it. it. He supposedly was a politician who frequented this secret brothel in Austin, which was above a grocery store. And that's where the tavern is now. This politician apparently started liking this like mm. sex worker there. Mm-hmm. And she had a daughter that she had to keep at work. And the daughter would stay isolated away from the mess uh, in her own little room. And it was by the stairs that led to the attic. It was getting a little bit too personal and she didn't want him coming by anymore. There was also rumors that he got aggressive or abusive and she told him he couldn't come to the brothel anymore. He was so angered by this woman denying him that he took her daughter up the attic and raped and murdered her um, and stuffed her in the wall. Sarah and I did research online after she had gone there and we were looking for this person and we found someone and it was crazy how he matched how she described him when we were there. As soon as we started doing more digging there, that's when I started hearing at night, just as I was going to bed, I would just hear Stephen right in my ear. So wait, are you doing anything to like protect yourself before you go or like when you're leaving? What, yeah, what are that you- was early on. That was early on. And I, I hadn't been. I've since become very versed at like <laughs> in my own spiritual practices. I, I wear things. Is that yes. a tourmaline bracelet? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, this is obsidian. I do have tourmaline in here. Okay. Um, I have St. Michael that's been blessed by Alexis and his team. So I do a lot of that and I have a lot of tools in my tool belt now because of Alexis. Even if you don't believe, it's a nice way to just feel confident, feel positive about mm-hmm. going in. And then when you leave, you can reignite that positive by doing another cleansing. So if someone was just starting the podcast, which episodes would you tell them to go with? I always say go back to one because it's a chronological like journey of us learning what we're doing because we just start off by accident creating episode one. And then from there, it like kind of spawned our team and we just start doing new cases and we reference old cases oh, in okay. new ones. If you don't really know the other ones, you might not get the references. And also you were saying how hard it is to make your podcast and like you do, you've got a full-time job, you've got a whole team. If people want to help you out, help you with your work, what can they do? The number one thing is if you like the show, we have a Patreon page and the Patreon page is where you make like a monthly contribution and you get bonus features like behind the scenes audio. We do like walkthroughs of the place so you can see videos of them. And that's only a dollar a month. We have it really low right now. And that's patreon.com slash the night owl podcast. So if people want to reach out, if they're having activity and they want to get the show over there, what is the website again? The night owl podcast.com. Easy peasy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. So can we come on an investigation or something if we promise to be quiet? Well, I have several right now, but they're kind of midway through. So I'm going to, I'm wrapping them up. Okay. Uh, but if we get some new ones, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Can, right. can you give us some highlights on, on what you're working on right now? We've got another tattoo shop and we've got a personal case that we're wrapping up. So it's like a private residence. Yeah. Keep us posted on all that and uh, feel free to come back on the show anytime. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Stephen Ballou from the Night Owl Podcast. Remember, you can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts and at the nightowlpodcast.com. All right. Big thanks to the None of This Is Real podcast for sponsoring this surprise episode. Remember to check them out if you enjoy topics like cryptids, conspiracies, hauntings, cults, and of course, urban legends. And honestly, if you don't, why are you even listening to us? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So you can find them anywhere that you listen to podcasts or at none of this is real podcast.com. And we're going to put a link in our show notes as well. And don't forget, we're still posting many 
minisodes at patreon.com slash haunted AF. It's only five bucks a month. You get exclusive content. And of course, it helps the podcast stay afloat. Yeah. And another way you can support us is check out the merch at hauntedaf.com. We've got great t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, mugs, all kinds of fun stuff. And that does help us keep doing what we're doing. So remember, Haunted AF is returning for the month of October. That means we need your story. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the one about the weird cat person under your bed or that disembodied (laughs) foot, maybe the time you thought you were haunted, but you just had a squatter in your attic. Send all that stuff to hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com so we can use them this October on Haunted AF. And don't forget to subscribe to Haunted AF on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TikTok. You can even contact us directly through our website, hauntedaf.com. Gotta say thanks to Andrew Mamalika and Travis Vance for the Haunted AF theme song and to On Air Media for titles and technical support. Also, big thanks to all of the Haunted AF Patreon supporters. Most of all, we have to thank you for listening and for sharing your stories with us. By the way, Julie, if I die first, I'm coming back to haunt you. Oh, I'll come back to haunt you too, Rebecca. 